One of the nicest weeks of the year here, but not elsewhere. This is Way Over Our Heads, a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, how you doing? I am doing all right. How about you, Jim? You know, I'm doing well. It was a nice weekend, and uh, we've got a nice week ahead. But we do have to talk about something that you and I touched on the last time we got together. I had mentioned that it was my impression not based on statistics, just based on anecdotal evidence that when the state fair winds down, someone takes the weather switch and pulls it down to shut it off, and we go from summer to fall almost instantaneously. And this year did not disappoint. A week ago today, Labor Day, the uh, the winds of autumn came in and they actually toppled a tree uh, in our alley. So uh, we saw the arrival of fall in a rather dramatic way. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, these uh, air mass changes rarely come quietly and they almost always arrive on the wind. That's how the seasonal transitions happen. The wind just is what conveys it. You know, we're going to have a really nice week here. We're talking about the week of Monday, September 14th, for the most part, a much better week. And people might actually forget what we went through last week. It was cold. I mean, seasonally anyway, it was not cold for, say, January, of course, but for September, we were way, way, way ahead of the curve. Uh, the Twin Cities area had two back-to-back record low maximum temperatures or, you know, basically the high temperature of the day was as low as it had ever been on record two days in a row. It's unusual to have the temperature barely crack 50 degrees during the first third of September in Southern Minnesota. Now in Northern Minnesota, where things were a little less extreme in terms of what's normal. They had a killing frost up in the arrowhead that made some of the gardeners pretty unhappy. Even up there, it's a little bit early. Frost certainly is not unheard of in September in northeastern Minnesota, but that's a bit ahead of schedule. But the whole state, I mean, it was a it was cool and people were drinking tea and wearing sweaters and acting like it was uh, early November. But you looked at the calendar and it said, uh, you know, to your surprise, it said September 9th, something else. So that was quite a cold front indeed. And I think a lot of folks, as much as people say they love autumn and, you know, I like all the seasons, I think folks are excited to not have it come quite that fast, have it back off for another week or so. In fact, it looks like the next couple of weeks will be you know, at least near normal, if not slightly above normal, predominantly rather than cold. So maybe a, a hint of Dubois in the air. <laughs> well, this is good. So far, I'm really liking the forecast for this week, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah. uh, it looks like uh, summer is back, at least temporarily. So Kenny, given those uh, those frosty and freezing conditions in northern and central Minnesota, did you hear any word about the state of the crops? Was there any crop damage that you've heard of? I, I didn't hear about any large crop damage. And of course, by this time of year, the big sort of production crops are so far along that it would be hard to do real intense damage to them without a deeper freeze. And there wasn't great alignment, but I did hear some of the small vegetable, you know, some of the smaller vegetable producers, the, the kind of 
you know, think grocery store fruit and vegetables. They were not happy. There may have been some damage in the orchards, central Minnesota, and just, you know, some of those small kind of community level uh, farmsteads in, in central and northern Minnesota. I think that those were the ones, the ones who are growing kind of consumer level food maybe had a harder time with this than the, the big corn and soybean producers. You know, again, the extreme cold wasn't, it wasn't quite as extreme in northern Minnesota. I mean, they had that killing, uh, at least potentially killing frost. But if you were to sort of, and this is maybe hard to wrap your minds around, we had, we had high temperatures in central and southern Minnesota that did not get out of the 40s in some areas. If you were to scale that to northern Minnesota appropriately, you actually would have seen high temperatures barely getting out of the mid-30s. And they didn't have that problem. In northern Minnesota, temperatures still made it into the 40s. Most days, and even the 50s in some places, they weren't as wet as we were in southern Minnesota. And the nighttime conditions, though they had temperatures in the, you know, getting down to about 26, 27, I think the lowest I saw was 25 degrees. It was, uh, you know, if you'd sort of adjust for what's normal, it was a little more abnormal in central Minnesota and in western Minnesota than it was in, say, northeastern Minnesota. So we didn't see temperatures in the teens, which would have really killed a lot of stuff. But, you know, this was, again, kind of early. And I think psychologically, it provided that jolt, that reminder that summer is fleeting. Well, elsewhere, Kenny, conditions are very, very bad. We have wildfires raging in California, Washington State, and Oregon. As a matter of fact, my sister-in-law had to flee their home in Oregon to, uh, to get away from the fires. So these are of kind of an unprecedented nature, aren't they? At least the number of fires that are happening simultaneously? Yeah, the West is certainly accustomed to wildfires and forest fires, but this is this is out of control. And and when I say out of control, I don't mean just in the sense that a lot of the fires aren't contained. I just mean this is a climate reaction anomaly that we have not observed it. And sure, it is true that, you know, fire regimes are somewhat episodic, and it's also true that they are going to be tied to fire management practices. And all I mean by that, and I'm not a fire ecologist, but this is pretty well known. Uh, If you prevent a lot of fires, then you've got more stuff growing. And so then when you get into a dry kind of fire-prone regime, there's more fuel, there's more stuff to burn. And we've definitely seen that emerge in the Western United States with some of the land management practices. But you also can't deny some of these areas have seen unprecedented dryness. And, you know, the summer is generally a dry season in California and Oregon and Washington anyway. Even the the kind of rainforests along the uh, Olympic Peninsula in Washington generally go through a pretty dry spell during the summertime. But the the level of dryness and the heat that's been coupled with it, when you put those two together, they're essentially yet to have been observed. So we're kind of in uncharted territory. And in a lot of these areas, we have year over year precipitation deficits anyway. So when when you add the current conditions on top of what's already been going on, and then you throw in the fact that, you know, fire management has suppressed an awful lot of fires over the last several decades, and you have people now living, you know, in the sprawly areas on the fringe of that urban wildlife wildland interface. 
it is a recipe for some for some disaster but there's no doubt about it a climate signal in here and these are just someone i don't know did you see this jim i got an email and you know i'm i'm a former academic i'm a scientist so i get emails from people who have very kind of nerdy sometimes deep thoughts and i don't know how widespread these things are but i, I definitely get things that are passed around almost like those old chain emails where someone's telling a joke and they're just forwarding it on to everybody. But somebody sent out, and I believe, all I can say is the credit goes to someone from McAllister for sending it to us. I don't know who actually coined it, so I'm, I don't want this to sound like we invented it or that this is my idea, but someone who lives in Oregon explained the fires in a Minnesota and sort of upper Midwest vernacular that was very helpful. And what they basically said was, imagine that there's a 30 mile wide band of fire extending from Rochester to Waterloo, and that the smoke and the basically the hazards and the additional fire threats and the spreading went from that region basically up into the southern twin cities and that you know folks in the southern suburbs were being told get ready to evacuate this is happening so think of that geographic scale and then the writer also said meanwhile duluth has been clobbered by fires okay again listeners we're being <laughs> hypothetical here we're just using minnesota analogies to describe what's going on elsewhere because these are pretty abstract concepts to us but if you kind of think of familiar areas, it would be equivalent to fire encroaching on the Twin Cities area, having an area like Duluth and Cloquet already hit hard by fire, uh, and then other pockets of fire closing down highways in the state. And then the writer even said, oh, and it's not just here, you know, the Chicago area is seeing similar problems. Whenever these hazardous events occur, they're so abstract because they're not here. And it's hard to picture. So I found it helpful to think of to think of this in sort of localized terms, even though of course our landscape is different and, and you know our climate is different too. But uh when you hear oh massive fires, you know, just imagine that these 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 fires are enormous. I mean there's millions of acres being affected by fire. And, you know, a typical Minnesota lake or, you know, might be on the order of 20 to 50, you know, kind of a smaller lake, 20 to 50 acres. If you've got millions of acres being affected by fire, just think of how many equivalent Minnesota lakes that is. It's almost incomprehensible. So, yeah, there and of course, there's already been fatality and we don't really know the scope of it because it's hard to get into the areas. And of course, the firefighters are really stretched to their limits essentially there aren't enough resources to to fight all the fires and that's just from a human safety standpoint just there aren't enough resources to keep people safe from those fires unbelievable really well kenny thanks for that and thanks to the person who sent that email in because that does give kind of a great geographical perspective for us as to just how massive these fires are and we can kind of see uh, some indication the fires are raging right now this morning, which is uh, Monday, the 14th of September. It's a bit hazy outside, and I assume that may be due to the smoke from the wildfires. Uh, absolutely. In fact, if you notice, this is one of the rare occasions, and I'm, oh, be careful with this recommendation, but you could probably look near the sun in the sky 
don't look at the sun, but you can look near it. Right. Not directly and, at the sun. Yes. Yeah. Not <laughs> but directly you'll notice, at the sun. You'll notice it has that look. Do you remember the old movie theater? You know, you'd look back when they would show the films from the actual real projector and you'd look back and there would just be that one big round light in the back right, of the theater. Right. That's kind of how the sun looks right now. It doesn't, it doesn't have that normal uh, sort of expanse out from the sun itself that you normally see and what sort of makes the light so blinding. The smoke is attenuating or it's limiting the travel of some of those light wavelengths. And so you're really just, <laughs> you're just seeing the sun and it almost like it's cut out in the sky. Yeah, we are seeing some smoke in this area and it affected our sunset yesterday and it, it affected our temperatures yesterday but the forecasters seem to acknowledge that uh, so they did a good job i think the high was in the low to mid 70s in southern minnesota and that is what had been forecast but if it looked cloudy it wasn't it was smoke and the same is true this morning uh so yeah it is it is having an effect now i can't i haven't looked closely enough to see exactly where the smoke that's affecting us is coming from uh, it would be a long way to travel over multiple mountain ranges to get here from some of those most severe fires out in the on the west coast or near the west coast but you know late late summer and early fall are a common fire season in uh, a lot of the sort of arid parts of or semi-arid parts of the north american continent and it's not unusual for us to get smoke tinged skies drifting in here from usually from the west but the scale of these fires is unlike anything we'd observed before. So it does make sense that you'd see downstream effects. Well, of course, a byproduct of the fires is the smoke and the poor air quality that it generates. And uh, people with health conditions are being impacted in those uh, fire areas as well. And we should devote a portion of an episode, maybe the next one, to talk a bit about uh, the impact of climate and weather on health. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Kenny, I know you're not an expert on public health, but we can certainly chat a bit about uh, the interrelation of uh, certain weather conditions and public health. Let's let's move on to another situation that's brewing right now. Uh, an incredible tropical weather season is brewing. Do we have, what is it, five tropical storms simultaneously? Is that correct? It's a lot. I um, Yeah, you know what? I was looking at it last night, and it was, as you mentioned, almost incomprehensible. So just kind of looking at the, the National Hurricane Center tropical weather forecast page, Currently, there are four um, named storms in the Atlantic Ocean. We have, in alphabetical order, Paulette, which is a hurricane in the kind of central Atlantic, not probably going to affect any land masses. Renee, a little bit farther east. Sally is the tropical storm that's likely to become a hurricane and is heading towards the New Orleans area. And that one is really a major threat for sustained storm surge. It's not gonna be a violent hurricane in terms of the winds, but it's gonna slow down. It's gonna produce a sustained storm surge over the New Orleans area and, and coastal Alabama, Mississippi, and uh, Louisiana. And it's also gonna dump a tremendous amount of rain. So life-threatening uh, flooding conditions seem to be likely there. That is currently Tropical Storm Sally, probably going to become at least a, a Category 1 hurricane. And then out um, 
in the uh, kind of south central Atlantic, at a fairly low latitude, you have now Tropical Storm Teddy, and we have Tropical Depression 21, uh, which is a Cape Verde style uh, tropical weather system. It informed just west of the Cape Verde Islands, and we'll be <laughs> watching that. So there's five, five kind of formal tropical weather systems out in the Atlantic right now. There's also two waves that are, are not named and they're not depressions even yet. Uh, one is in the Western Gulf of Mexico and one, <laughs> and one is just off the African coast. So it is an extraordinarily active period. And did you notice, Jim, that I said Hurricane Teddy? Yes. That me or I'm sorry, Tropical Storm Teddy. That means we've already gotten, it's only September 14th and we've already gotten to the letter T in the wow. alphabet yeah it's uh, so we are we are very advanced down the list already way above normal i mean if the season had ended even a week ago we would have been above normal for the number of named weather tropical weather systems in the atlantic ocean but the fact that we're it's september 14th and we're at uh we're at the t boy that tells us that even if it ended now a very very active season now 2005 the the year of Katrina and uh, Rita and Wilma, these were all at one point category five hurricanes. That is still the record holder. We actually went off the alphabet that year. And it's I can't guarantee that we'll go off the alphabet this year, but we are already pretty deep. T is low, 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 low in the alphabet. You know, there's only a handful left before you run out of letters. So pretty astounding. The only of these storms that is an immediate threat to the United States is Tropical Storm Sally. Wow, though. I mean, and this one, you know, I know we've talked about it before. It doesn't look like it'll have any impact on our weather here. Um, it's going to get picked off by a passing weather system and, and end up mostly affecting the southern and eastern U.S. with that heavy rain and enhanced moisture. We're not going to see the effects of that up here in the upper Mississippi Valley area. Well, Kenny, we'll be enjoying the return of summer for the next few days, correct? Uh, yeah, it's going to be. So, I mean, Tuesday, really. So Tuesday is the day where if you like summer, if your name is Jim Dubois, uh, <laughs> Tuesday your day. Now, a lot of us like summer, but this is a good, strong return to warm, almost hot conditions. It's not going to be particularly humid. We'll get a little boost of, of moisture in the air. But look for temperatures in southern and central Minnesota to be in the 80s, probably the 90s in southwestern and western Minnesota, and then maybe 70s, close to 80 in northern and northeastern Minnesota, with the exception always being, uh, you know, if you're along, the, if you're in the Grand Marais area, the wind almost always blows off of the lake when it's warm elsewhere, and so it's hard for them to get as warm. But inland temperatures are going to be nice and toasty. It's going to be a warm Tuesday. We're going to have a front go through on Wednesday. It's still going to be a nice day. We will cool down a bit on Thursday and Friday and into the weekend, but it, it looks predominantly nice and nothing like what we had last week. You know, we could have some signs that we might be stuck in kind of a cloudy and cool uh, pattern on Friday, but, you know, I'd say that by Sunday, things are looking toasty again. And even as we get a cold front coming through, you know, now we're looking at what the 20th or so, it doesn't look like a season changing cold front. In fact, give it another day or two and all 
indications are that the warm air will come surging back into the region and, and we'll have more 60s and 70s at least. So kind of a warm, kind of a warmer, I wouldn't say unseasonably warm for the most part, but a warmer pattern than what we were in. Really mostly delightful weather, not a lot of precipitation. You know, I know we could actually use a decent watering in a lot of Minnesota, and I don't see great prospects for that. Best chances look to be uh, late in the week and over the weekend, especially uh, Friday morning and then maybe again um, Saturday night into Sunday. But uh, yeah, much warmer conditions, especially the next few days, and then again maybe returning towards the end of the weekend. Well, enjoy the next few days. They look fantastic. And Kenny, is always good to catch up with you. This is Way Over Our Heads, a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, we'll check in with you next week. Thank you, Jim. Good talking to you. Have a great week.